Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Montreal Canadiens news, information, and entertainment. Hosted by Matt Smith and the hockey writers Blaine Putvin and Treg Toxic Wilson. Our goal is to provide you unfiltered hockey discussion, entertainment, and sometimes bad life advice. And welcome to another exciting episode of Habs Unfiltered, coming at you in two segments. The first segment is going to be with my co-host, Treg Toxic Wilson. Going on, everybody? And for the second half, uh, Matt, the Air Force Hammer Smith, is going to join us. He had to work a little late, so he'll come in a little bit later. Uh, He'll regale us with stories of his beard and mesmerize us with his stunning good looks. Yes. It's hard for me to do a show when he's with us, so this is good. Yeah, it, it is kind of distracting. I mean, he's just, yeah. he's a man rocket. I mean, he blows Vin right out of the water. Like, Vin doesn't even compare. No, it's true. Yeah. Unless Vin's talking to himself. Of course he compares. <laughs> if, if we could clone Vin. <laughs> We'd have a thousand clones. Uh, so, Blaine, you and I got some good news today from the hockey writers. Yes, we did. Tell our tell our listeners what it is. We are now staff, Montreal Canadian staff writers for the uh, hockey writers uh, website, which is a pretty big deal, actually. It is, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, uh, our podcast Habs Unfiltered is now featured on the Montreal Canadiens page of the hockey writers, uh, which is also. Uh, great news. It's just another vehicle to reach our listeners. So you can listen to us on any podcast platform that you wish. You can find the links on our on our social media pages and now on the Hockey Writers. That's right. The number one English-speaking Habs podcast in the country. That is true. And we are one of the top Habs podcasts in all of North America. Yeah, yes. Toot toot. Yippers. Um, all right, so... And we're not even credentialed. Well... I'm just throwing that out there. Well, we're kind of are now. Yeah, yeah. But it, do credentials really matter? No. No. As long as the information's correct and... We, we stick to a standard where we give you nothing but the unfiltered truth, and we do it in an entertaining way. So, yeah. I want to thank you guys for listening. You guys are what make this show fun. Because it's not Trek. No, I'm the anti-fun. Well, yeah. I put the F U in fun. It's true. It's true. It's hard to argue that. True. Um. All right. So, I swore I would never talk about this bullshit again, but it keeps rearing its ugly head. Uh, the anniversary of the P.K. Subin shea Weber trade came and went, and it has been nothing but the focus. And as our motto on this show is, if you're talking about it, so are we. Well, you're talking about it, so now so are we. So um, How come no one's talking about, how come no one's talking about the anniversary of the Gomez-McDonough trade? Do you really want to bring that up? I mean... 
I'm just it's it happened just the other day. Dear God. Like how many years ago now? Seven years ago? Oh. No, it's not long enough. Why isn't that trade important? It was the worst trade ever. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, I would say it's one of the worst trades the Montreal Canadiens have ever made. Yeah, guaranteed. Like they give up Higgins and McDonough for Gomez. For Gomez. But Gomez did bring us Camilleri and uh, Giotto. So yep. they say he was a big reason they came to the team. That so is true. It wasn't all that bad, I guess. And and it did get anyway. it did get a an East Eastern Conference final run in. Uh, Correct. Camilleri was pretty exciting. He was always he was always one of my favorite players outside of the Canadians. Ever since I saw him play in uh, the NCAA, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and he got traded mid game. That was yeah. That's that's another topic for another time. <laughs> Um, I'm just trying to avoid the one you're getting to, but let's get, I know. To, let's get it over with. Yeah. So the whole argument with Weber versus PK is who won the trade. And you could imagine that based on certain segments of the Montreal Canadiens fan base, some are hardcore on the side saying Nashville won, and others are hardcore saying it's Bergevin. So, tell us, what do you think? All right, I think there's more than one part to this trade. So, at the time of the trade, uh, the very following season, both teams won. Montreal got the leadership and the... Uh, defensive reliability of Shea Weber and the offense that came along with him. While Nashville get a flashy offensive style defenseman who, while sheltered by a top two-way defenseman, Andre Markov in Montreal and Ekholm in in Nashville, uh, will give you an offensive spark and and help your team. Um, Then Weber gets hurt, misses over a period of two years, and this is about an entire season, around 80 games over two seasons. And uh, Subban slowly starts to go downhill. He gets injuries, and his game's not up to par, and then finally he gets traded from uh, Nashville for a bag of pucks and a couple sticks. Um, At the time of the trade, it was a hockey trade. Nashville wanted to get rid of Weber's contract, and Montreal wanted to get rid of uh, Sue Band's, I, I guess, attitude, I want to say, or uh, the they wanted to get rid of what they thought was the problem in the dressing room, and they that's what happened, and that's what worked. It, it I mean, people like to compare and say, well, Montreal has never made a pass the first round with Shea Weber, and Nashville went to the Stanley Cup. Well, Nashville didn't go to the Stanley Cup because of P.K. Subban. Nashville went because of Pekka Rene, and if Weber was there, they probably still would have went to the Stanley Cup. And if P.K. was in Montreal, Montreal probably still would have not made it past the first round of the playoffs next year. Uh, So if you want to compare the trade, I believe Montreal won, and I believe Montreal won because the only reason it looked better for Nashville early on was because Weber got hurt. And that's the only reason why it looked better. Uh, Weber's numbers, even pro-rated, were either on par or better than P.K. Subban's at both ends of the ice. And, uh, and yeah, and P.K., I mean, look at him now. He, he's, P.K. needs someone to shelter him, uh, or he just looks terrible out there like he did last year in New Jersey because he has no one to play with him in New Jersey. Now, people argue Weber needs a guy to play with him on the left side. He needs a guy on the left side on the power play. He doesn't necessarily need a guy on the left side five on five it would help him if they have a better puck mover but he does he, he does do well with Sherratt he does and he did well with Mete yeah. so you could almost put anyone with him and he's still going to do well um, this year however he started off slow but I think he was covering for Mete because Mete started off slow and then when he paired up with Sherratt things got better so if you want to ask me who's the clear cut winner of the trade now, it's the Montreal Canadiens. When the trade first happened, I don't think there was a winner. I think both teams got exactly what they wanted. End of conversation. 
There's really, I mean, this is this is talk to death. Like, who cares? Who, who cares? Like, PK Subban was not a terrible player in Montreal. Uh, I think a lot of us were blinded as Montreal fans and didn't really see the things that he was bad at. And uh, Shea Weber did not deteriorate when he got to Montreal and became all of a sudden went from a top four Olympic uh, champion defenseman to a bum. So. I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. You had two good defensemen involved in a major trade. Both teams benefit from it and carry on. And now, yeah, and now, I mean, Superman's been traded again. He's on his third team since. Like, the trade's over. It's done. Yeah. Well, Get on with it. Clearly, a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the issues had to do with um, fan perception. So um, I don't think either team had really won the trade I mean, if you're, I mean, Nashville, Nashville did end up dumping Subin onto uh, New Jersey for a much lesser package. It was clearly to get rid of his his contract, so they can bring in Duchesne. Um, and Weber is still with the Canadians. So, uh, performance wise on the ice, I I think you you nailed it. Each team wanted something a little bit different than what they had because why else would you trade a top-pairing right-handed defenseman for another top-pairing right-handed defenseman? I mean, they had Roman Yossi, right? So, <laughs> Yeah, Weber, they did, but uh, Montreal well, did not. But that, but, right, and Montreal needed a Roman Yossi-type player. That's why it was easy for them to get rid of uh, Weber. They cleared their, that contract yeah. that, they, that he has. Not that it's a terrible contract, but it is for Nashville because they were they're closer to the cap and well, not at the time so they were uh, for them. It was more the cash itself because he had that the, those big bonus payments. Million. Yeah, yeah. Now um, on La Poche Bleue, uh, French language podcast uh, that covers Quebecois hockey, uh, they had uh, Mike Ribeiro on and. He was in a unique position where, you know, obviously he's from Montreal area. He follows the Canadians, being an ex-Montreal Canadian. And he had played in Nashville with Shea Weber. And he was asked exactly about this. And his words, and I'm going to translate from French. I'll, I'll say them in French, and then I'll translate it. So, Ribeiro stated, Piquet, star cartoon. Weber, star présence, un homme, un professionnel. Le Canadien a été chanceux. Weber était un meilleur joueur, un meilleur coéquipier. Je n'ai jamais compris cet échange. Nashville a fait une erreur. So, Ribeiro is saying there that PK is just a cartoon. Um, Weber is a presence. He's a, he's a, a man, like, as a man mountain, um, a professional, and the Canadians were lucky. Weber is the better player. And the better, the better teammate. He never understood the trade. Nashville made an error. Now I think that kind of touches on the reasons why the Canadians made the trade. They wanted, they wanted that presence, and not just on the ice, but in the dressing room. Um, yeah, Nashville had that miracle run, like as you mentioned, and then they had to dump PK. Uh, Montreal, in return, now has a very solid defenseman who puts up good offensive numbers but he is, he also sh- plays the shutdown roles yes he's aging yes he's going to break down but so is pk and pk seems to have been breaking out at a, a faster rate due to his injuries and the style that he plays i've mentioned this before weber's game is more apt to last despite some injuries because his game is not based on speed so um yeah, based on the reset. So the Canadians enter this reset, and this is where Weber's real value is going to be found. You look at the Bruins, and I've compared the, the Canadians' reset to the Bruins, what they have done with their reset. And Chera and Weber are going to be compared in this instance as well, not just for style of play, but their leadership. Um, the Bruins are the way they are, more so to do with Chera's leadership. So the team itself, the whole team pulls together as a group 
they're more brought together. Weber does the same. He brings everyone into the fold. It's more of a family. Um, when PK was there with uh, with Pat Chiretti, uh, there was <laughs> the stories are out now. We can't deny the fact that there were factions in the room, cliques, and those two were going were butting heads, and it was causing issues. So they chose to get rid of PK and keep Pacioretty. Uh, eventually, they got Gallagher rid of Gallagher. Wasn't a big Gallagher came didn't seem like he was a big fan either. No, no. Gallagher hasn't come out and really said anything. But in the few things he had said, you can tell that he was not a fan of PK. No, and, and that's true. And Gallagher seems to have been coming along fairly well now, especially with his his leadership um, on the ice. He's unchanged. He'll never change, but. He has that that leadership aura about him. It's much more polished than it was before, and it, it might have something to do with the uh, the aura that Weber exudes, his leadership style, his his family attitude, where the team is a family. So that's kind of what Chera did with the Bruins, and you you see that the Bruins are a tight knit group. There's no clicks. They're they're constantly pulling for each other. Clearly, the Bruins have. Uh, more talent and they have more key pieces so they're much more successful but that's going to come for the canadians based on what we've seen with the young guys it'll it'll show up so weber's leadership is kind of mentoring these young players into better professionals which can only help the canadians in their long run so the value in that trade can it will be seen for much longer based on the the um the community and the, uh, the the attitude and the work ethic that Shea Weber is helping to mentor in these young guys. Um, you know, if Weber were, were in Montreal back in 2012 and Galchenyuk were in the room, would have would Galchenyuk have developed differently? I mean, this is this, you know, I think about this sometimes. And when I was thinking about this trade, I it popped in my head today. What what do you think? I don't know because I think Galchenyuk's biggest problem was his father. So it would depend on whether Shea Weber was able to separate separate Galchenyuk from his dad. Because um, I mean, a lot of there's there's a lot of debate over Galchenyuk's development and whether or not he should have spent more time in Laval, whether he's ready to play what he played, whether or not uh, Tarion and Julian were too hard on him and you know didn't give him the opportunity. Um, because, I mean, he can score 30 goals in the NHL. He's done it. He can do it. He has the talent. Um, but I don't know. It's tough to say. I think it could have been a little better. I really do. I think maybe uh, Galchenik would have accepted his roles better when he was on bot- on uh, the bottom six uh, or playing as a winger. I think Shea Weber could have took him aside and said, hey, man, sometimes, you know, we're supposed to be here, but we end up here. And you just have to take that and go with it and make it your own. Um, but I, I think in Galchenyuk's case, his father played a huge, huge role in, uh, how he went about it. Cause I mean, he's just, just keeps deteriorating no matter where he goes. So, but, but we've worked um, with people that have had that, uh, that added leadership. They have that aura about them when they come yeah. into a room and Weber yeah. has that, that it factor when it comes to that. I, I know people are going to, you know, shit on me for saying it, but. It's true. The man has, he exudes that that aura, that esteem. Players just gravitate towards him. And it's that and, type and of player that, yeah, a person that could maybe steer the ship a different way. So, I, I, do, I do agree. I think Gelchenik could have been a better player with Weber there. I think Weber could have took him under his wing and helped him shield out all that other outside noise. Uh, and there's a lot of outside noise in Montreal. We all knew that, especially if you're struggling. And uh, I think it would have made him a better player. I do say think he would have been made a better player. Would it have made that big of a difference? I don't know. There's many more factors to Galchenyuk than just a few things. Um, yeah. But but why people would shit on you for saying Weber is a born leader is stupid because he was actually awarded by the NHL for being a born leader. A leader. Uh, he got the Mark Messier Award for you know, best leader in the league. So well, we, we know that this, this issue is a, it's a wedge issue in the Canadians fan base. And there seems to be many, many, many people 
who t- have taken a camp. You know, one side is uh, PK's the greatest, management sucks, and Weber's a douche. And the, there's another camp yes. of you know management can do no wrong. Weber's a god. If you're gonna Brendan, if you're gonna Brendan Kelly this, yeah, because that's that's where it stems from. Pretty if much, you're gonna take this and just be a fanboy of either Bergevin or a fanboy of PK. Then you're, to me, you're not really a Montreal Canadiens fan, and you don't really follow the game of hockey the way you should. And you can sh- people can shit on me for this, and I'm not telling people how to root for their team or anything like that. But if you're going to Lambaste a management and a and, and a, uh, a player just because your favorite player got traded, then you're looking at this thing all wrong. Like go become a Nashville or a New Jersey fan, right? Like go away because like I mean my favorite player was Patrick Law, and when he got traded, I mean I never liked Regian Ool, but I never liked Regian Ool because he traded Wall. I didn't like Regian Ool because he was a terrible GM, right? But when he traded Wall, I didn't hate Jocelyn Tebow or Andre Kovalenko or Martin Rosinski, right? I didn't hate them because they got traded for Wall, especially Tebow. You know, I, I was like, all right, Tebow's the new guy. Let's, you know, see what he can do. I mean, if you're going to do that, then you're really, you're looking at this thing, though. You're looking at everything the wrong way. So basically, you're now going to hate Bird. No matter what Bergevin does, you're going to hate just because he traded your favorite player is stupid. Well, I know he will that. never trade my favorite player because my favorite player is Drew Doughty. Yeah, we don't know why. But hey, anyway. We all have our thing. Old... <laughs> but... Uh, I, 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 I'm sorry. That's just a stupid way to be a fan. I, I, I mean, sure, if that's the way you want to do it, that's your choice. But if you're going to hate everything just because you didn't like a trade, then you don't understand the game. It, it, it goes down to this whole, well, we're not making the playoffs. Well, do you want a mediocre team that makes the playoffs every year, or do you want a team that's would like to make the playoffs, but if they don't, they know ways of building the team better so we become a long-term success. That brings up a question. Um, I did a mailbag <clears throat> for the hockey writers for the uh, Canadians channel, and there was a lot of questions about the draft and building the team. So the Canadians are facing the Penguins. It's an uphill battle. And let's imagine they actually beat the Penguins. In some parallel universe, somewhere, the Canadians beat the Penguins. Is that a bad thing? Uh, all right, well, I wrote a story about this. Yes, you did. And I think in the long term, it is a bad thing. If you look at 2014 and 2010 when Montreal went to the Eastern Conference Final, the years after those two... Uh, uh, playoff pushes, the team went downhill. Like it didn't bring in the free agents it needed to cover the holes, and it didn't it drafted hot or lower in the drafts, and didn't get the quality of player that they needed to move forward. Mind you, the drafts for those years weren't super duper drafts either. But but is the uh, difference between sixteen and eight in this draft that drastic that winning that series would be detrimental? Yes. Well, I wouldn't say detrimental, but I don't think you're going to get the quality of player at 16 that you would at 9. It's possible. It's possible. I mean, it's possible you could, but now you're looking at the, you're looking at, well, but if they also lose, they also have a chance of getting the first overall pick. Yeah, they would have a 12.5% chance of getting first or 87.5 of getting ninth. So, I mean, to me, a top 10 pick in this year's draft is you're getting an outstanding player. At 16, you're getting a maybe outstanding player. That's the difference to me. So you're going from a what I think is a bona fide top six player to a maybe top six player. So when you're watching this series as a fan, are you going to be, be upset that the team wins? No. No, 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 no. Exactly. I will never be upset yeah. that the team wins. However, if they lose, I'm going to be like, meh, okay. So essentially, it's a win-win scenario for every Habs fan. Correct. However, in the long term, the farther they go in these play-ins slash playoffs, I think the worst it is for their long-term goal. I mean, 
personally. If they did win first overall and end up with the first francophone star since Vinny LeCavalier, that would be pretty impressive, and it would change the fortune of the franchise. For sure. It would. It would really speed up their re- reset as well. I think it would end it, and they would just make a couple of trades and be done. Exactly. So, Because, I mean, they're going to have to make room for him on the top six, because he's going to come into the NHL next year. Yeah, instantly. Guaranteed. Y- yeah, he's yeah, a top-line player already. Yeah. So, I mean, he's playing with Suzuki and probably Druin. Maybe, well, they're both left-wingers. All right. See, there you go. There, there's a... You can put... You can put drill whenever you want, really. Eh. Eh. Well, sure. Well, whatever. Get rid of Druin. Or Domi. Or Lekkinen. Let's get rid of Lekkinen just so uh, <laughs> Siren Side Up can cry. <laughs> oh, man. God. She, there, there'd be a, an online vigil for months. No, I like Lekkinen. I would yeah. never trade Lekkinen. I think he's one of my favorite players. He's an so, ideal third-line uh, winger. He has it. He has his role, and people don't appreciate the role he has. And I'm sorry, but we're getting off topic here. But if you are only looking at Lekkonen as a sco- as a as a scorer, which he he's not, then you have no idea what you're talking about. If you see in that he's not scoring 20 goals and think he's a he's a he's a buster, no good, then you have no idea what you're watching on the ice. I'm sorry, but you don't. None whatsoever. All right. Well, uh, I think we'll stop. Man, I'm there. really bashed. I'm really bashing fans here. I better not. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to stop. Uh, I was going to stop you there anyway and uh, put okay. an end to the segment. Now, you're going to be running off and doing another podcast. Uh, can you let uh, our people know who the, who it is yes. and what's going on? I am going to be doing a podcast with... So let me uh, look here because, you know, my memory, it's about as good as thin air. Um, God, I tweet too much. Wow. Um, <laughs> uh, Thank God anyway, Tina uh, frig- uh, fills out your calendar for you. Yes, it's Canucks and Pucks podcast is what I'm going to be with. Um, it features... Uh, um, it's going to have uh, guests like Andrew Forbes, uh, FS the Canuck Way, and at Joshua Ray 91, uh, along with me and uh, Germs 13, which is Jeremy Ridgewell. So... Uh, it's run by another guy, Matthew Zader from the Hockey Writers, and we're gonna, yeah, it's, it was on a long hiatus. Now it's back, and uh, I'm gonna be a guest on their show. There you go. All right, um, I'm gonna let you get to that. Hopefully, you've written stuff down because holy shit, Treg, my God, what's wrong with you? I don't write anything down. I just go off the cuff. I should have a show called Off the Cuff. Someone already does, and he would beat the shit out of you if you use that name. All right, I'll go with... It's Chris Nyland. Off off the Cuff's Cups. Yeah, I would stay away from that. Chris Nyland would annihilate you. I'll call my show Knuckles, then. He'd still kill you. How's that? Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Knuckles Nyland beat the crap out of you. would be pretty cool. Hey, I'd go for it. I would pay money to see it happen. Knuckles, if you're listening, right. I will pay you to beat the crap out of Treg. I'm there. Me and you, buddy. <laughs> we could do it Tarps for charity. Off. Tarps off. That's another. I'll get George. La- that's another website. I'll get George LaRock to train me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you old grandpa, you. I'll let you get yes. to the other podcast, and um, on the other side of our break, I'm going to be joined by. The good-looking member of our team, Matt Smith. So stick around. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired... He searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. 
no-name hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered, the second segment of the show with our best-looking member, Matt Smith. And that's saying something. <laughs> Good evening, Blaine. Well, I mean, you know, you got the beard, you got you got the the young good looks it's all you know air force thing it's all you yeah i, I tower over blaine too so oh it's massive massive he's like and, and with trey and with trey it's even bigger well i mean treg is the oompa loompa of the show <laughs> absolutely i mean let's be come on we we still love him though he's adorable well he, you know he sings he dances that's what he does yeah his wife Tina, I think she won a golden ticket, and when she opened up her bag when she left the the Wonka factory, Treg was in the bag. <laughs> he snuck out. He's gonna love. He's gonna love listening to this. <laughs> oh, you know his wife loves this because she agrees with everything we say. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> so uh, in this segment, we're going to talk a little bit about the return to play and the hub cities. So um, you've got the the lay of the land on the on the dates. Why don't you kind of walk us through the basics, and then we'll uh, we'll just jump in from there. Absolutely. So um, some of these dates are kind of set, seem to be set in stone. The others are kind of you know ballpark figures. Um, so the NHL return to play has release some tentative target dates for uh, a few key areas that they would like to hit um, in terms of uh, the draft, the Stanley Cup, etc. And uh, I'll just read them as follows. So July 13th, Phase 3, training camp opens. Players will be able to uh, train as per normal. It'll be, uh, it'll be uh, obviously... A lot bigger in the news. <laughs> um, you know, we're going to see more players. Uh, in, in terms of the Montreal Canadiens, we're already seeing uh, some of these players returning to North America, returning to Montreal. Uh, Carey Price, um, I know Armia, Lekkinen, Folin, etc., etc. So we should be seeing them on the ice uh, a little bit more. Uh, July 26, teams report to Hub Cities, and we're going to get onto that and uh, who the Hub Cities are going to be uh, in a few minutes. Uh, August 1st, Phase 4, games are actually going to be played, if you all remember what hockey even is. Um, August 10th, Phase 2 of the NHL Draft Lottery. We're going to find out which lucky team is going to take home Alexi Lafreniere. Early October, Stanley Cup is presented, which is the weirdest shit you're ever going to hear, because usually that's when regular season is going to begin. Mid-October, even crazier. NHL draft. We're all used to seeing the NHL draft in June. And the next point is going to be even weirder. November 1st, 2020-2021 free agency. It's usually a, a Canada Day staple for many of us. We're looking at November. So if we're saying free agency is going to be November 1st, it's going to be sign your contracts, back to training camp, We'll see what they're going to do for a schedule for exhibition play, but it would not surprise me whatsoever if that we're looking at a shortened season with the first game of the year being the Winter Classic. That's what I'm going to kind of shoot for right now. That's what I'm going to think, because if free agency is going to be November 1st, I truly believe we're not going to see any hockey between then and the new year. It's just going to be too much on the players, and depending on how mean and physical this playoffs is going to be you're going to see key players be injured during the playoffs and obviously the nhl is going to want to put a the best product forward they're going to want to give these guys time to heal up and see that's the thing we're going to be fans are going to see what teams look like healthy as they enter so pretty much everybody is going to be rested and healthy. Obviously, you know, onesies and twosies are still dealing with issues, but for the vast majority, I'd say 99% of the players are going to come in healthy and rested. So this is going to be the most uh, healthy playoffs people have ever seen. But as you mentioned, we're probably going to see a ton of injuries right after because we see that in the start of every season you know groin injuries and 
ankle injuries, it, just things that happen because the pace is so high and they're pushing themselves so hard, but the bodies aren't quite broken in. I don't care. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And we're and as you said, groin injuries are going to be a huge one. Um, I just you know I just hope that. And speaking of groins, <laughs> just uh, just as a segue, <laughs> um, Habs Unfiltered has a new sponsor. Support for Habs Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming, the male groin. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. So this is big news. Manscaped has just launched in Canada. And for those listeners here in our home country, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. We are the proud owners of the Lawnmower 3.0, the pinnacle product for Manscaped. And I must say it has changed my life. Uh, I feel lighter, more... Uh, I feel more range of motion. It, it's it's amazing. It's a third generation trimmer that features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Uh, when I tell you this is a premium, I mean it is premium. The battery lasts up to 90 minutes. And for those of you who are starting grooming for the first time, you're probably going to need all 90 minutes. Uh, one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming and minimizes cuts. So, for those of you who are interested, get 20% off and free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code UNFILTERED20. It's time to shave those balls, eh? I like how that segue just turned right into that commercial. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I saw my chance. I took my shot. Yeah. Um but yeah, groin injuries. <laughs> yeah. If there's any NHL, if there's any NHL players listening, we'll get you twenty percent off. Um, but I'm but not yeah, helping you stretch in, those in suckers. All, in, all, in all seriousness, um, I'm just hoping we don't see. Uh, and, and I'm not even talking about the Canadians. I'm just talking about in general. You know, the the body can only take so much, and this is going to be very much a return to play some of these guys haven't been on skate some of these guys haven't been on this haven't been on that depending on the area that they live because gyms were closed and arenas were closed and this and that so we're gonna see certain players have advantages over others right from the start yeah i think they i think the teams i'm just hoping we don't see injuries pile up during just during training camp let alone return to play yeah so for for me i think the uh the teams that are built with uh, on their youth, so the teams with the majority majority youth, I think they're going to do best right at the beginning. Because those guys, I mean, you're young, you're more limber. Uh, you notice the veterans, you know, when you get around 29, 30, it takes a little bit more time for them to get into their into their routine and their structure and get to the top of their game. Whereas the young guys just hit the ground and it's just legs and arms everywhere and off they go. So, absolutely, yeah. Uh, and when hockey fans are watching the first round of the playoffs, or in this case, the play-ins, um, they're watching all the series and they're enjoying every game, all the all the intensity that comes with the playoff type atmosphere. And, and I think it's going to be very different this year for a couple of reasons. Um, one, there's no fans in the stands, so you don't have that that added push. And, and the other one is. You don't have that buildup through the season where you know teams are rushing. Hey, I got to fight for this playoff spot. I'm trying to get a better positioning, and you have that intensity build slowly through the season, and you see the pace pace of the game improve, uh, the structure improve, and by the time they hit the playoffs, they're at their pinnacle. We don't have that, so I, it's going to be it's going to be a free for all essentially, <laughs> and. It's not going to be the same kind of playoff hockey that people are used to. I just don't expect that. No, not at all. And um, the, the 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 things that um, you know, just breaking down the dates here. Um, I'll just throw in um, the um, July twenty sixth. The teams report to Hub Cities. So we'll let everyone know that already doesn't know. 
the uh, the hub cities look to be Edmonton and Toronto. And I'll throw it over to you quick just to see what your opinion is on that. Uh, I I know there's people that have been mocking Edmonton because, hey, who, who wants to go to Edmonton? And Toronto's going to be the epicenter. But the NHL has chosen Edmonton to have the conference finals for both sides and the uh, the Stanley Cup final. So to me that says that Edmonton is the safer choice for the players to generate a bubble. Toronto, uh, we talked about this, I talked about this at length last week with uh, John Liu on our episode last week, and he made a, valid, a very good point. The fact that in Toronto, all the venues are spread out so unevenly, whereas in Edmonton, everything is is confined in a small area. They got the hotels and the restaurants and and the arenas and the practice facilities are all right there. Whereas in Toronto, you know, and you got the Rico Center by, down by the CNE. Uh, then you got uh, whatever the ACC is called now. What is it? Scotiabank Center? Yeah. yeah. I, every time they change it, yeah. I just kind of revert back to it. I still call it the Sky Dome, uh, you know, when we talk about uh, Toronto <laughs> facilities. Yeah, exactly. So. So you've got they've got their their venues are world class, but they're spread out. So they're going to have to have shuttles. Um, even uh, John Lou even mentioned that uh, the CNE itself is part of the package that Toronto is using to sell this. So that'll be set aside for the players that are part of that bubble. Um, it just it just provides more opportunities for issues with COVID to come in. So um, granted, I'm happy that. Canada has both hub cities for the simple fact that Canada has done a much better job in addressing the issues around COVID than the United States has. The U.S. is skyrocketing in numbers, whereas Canada has has flattened the curve. We've more or less plateaued in most regions. There's there's new cases every day, but it's controllable now. So it, it minimizes the the influx of COVID, but it can't eliminate it. So I don't know. That's why I feel that Edmonton is a better choice than Toronto. But at the same time, having they, they want an East and West, they got an East and West. I'm just glad they picked the two safer cities out of the, the teams that applied. I'm not even going to touch on any of that right now is what, what I was going to say is exactly what you said. Um, Canada deserved it a hell of a lot more than the States did. Um, they, um, they controlled COVID a lot better, and um, hopefully the states can get their shit together. So I hope so, on. too. I love the U.S. Um, I love uh, – I've got family down there. I, I love the U.S. I just – I feel bad that they're having this issue now, and it's getting worse. So I'll, I just want to put that out there, especially because our episode is going to be releasing on July 4th, which is the American Independence Day. So I'd like to wish – all of my American friends, cousins, listeners, uh, a happy Independence Day. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Do it safely. Uh, if you go out in public, wear a mask. Keep within your family bubble. Um, you know, just I just don't want to see anyone get sick, injured, or, or worse. Because uh, as Canadians, we, uh, we are your loving neighbor to the north. And... We want you guys around. We we enjoy having you. So enjoy your weekend. Happy Independence Day. Very well said. So another thing that stuck out about me about those dates is Phase 4 games are being played. August 10th, Phase 2 of the draft lottery. So that means between the 1st and the 10th, they're planning to have the entire play-in round complete. So that's going to be some Fast and Furious hockey. I know that's only a best of five series. Yeah. But that's still a pretty Fast and Furious, especially for some of these games. Some of these some of these will go to five games. Yeah, a couple might. Yeah. And, and you're going to be right? looking so at three games a day. It's going to be Fast and Furious. Yeah, exactly. Three games a day is looking like what they're going to try to do a mandate for. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking forward to being able to click on my TV and like nothing against TSN or Sportsnet. I love you both. But my God, I'm, I'm I'm tired of seeing these rewinds on TV. <laughs> well, 
it's going to be it's going to be a, a time where I'm going to be taking a lot of time off work. Thank goodness I've got the extra five days of uh, of holidays coming to me this year because I'm going to Absolutely. need those thirty days so I can watch all the hockey. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and um just think of um the ratings that this is going to bring when hockey finally begins. And you look at the UFC as an example and the amount of people in their in new fans that are watching UFC now because they're like, "Oh my god, this is a fucking live sport. Oh my god, like what is this?" Korean baseball and, and for fuck's sakes. I right, and I don't yeah. watch baseball and I was sitting <laughs> not, not since the Expos left and I caught myself sitting down for three and a half hours watching a Korean baseball game. Yeah, because it's live. Because it's live. And you want you want to watch something that's going to be live. And I've been a UFC fan for many years, so I'm loving this Fight Island stuff and all this. And I know that some people are like, oh, they shouldn't have went back yet and all this kind of stuff. Well, they're doing it. They're doing it. They're doing it safely. So that's all I'm going to say. So another thing, free agency in the draft. So we're so used to seeing the draft in June. Now it's looking like a mid-October thing. That's going to be – this draft is going to be – I'm not going to say it's a crapshoot, but you might have risers and fallers that you might not have had in the past because we're not going to have the tournaments. We're not going to have the uh, the uh, the OHL playoffs, the QMJHL playoffs, the WHL playoffs. We're not going to see any of these. No combines. Really, yeah. We're not going to see any of this to really bump these players forward or backwards. And if you're also looking for a mid-October date, seasons of, for instance, the Canadian Hockey League would have already began. So what are the players going to do that are drafted, especially some of these top guys? Are they going to report to their junior teams, get drafted, and then possibly be playing in the NHL soon after? Yeah, see, or some of these, or some, or some of these higher end players going to hold out? Are they going to try to maybe play in a men's league somewhere? Like, what, what's going to happen with that? We had we had something similar to this happen back when there was that lockout, the last lockout. You know, out of the dozens of lockouts that Gary Bettman has forced upon us, but absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the last one, um, I think, it was 2012. So the draft class of 2012. Um, a little bit different scenario because the draft happened at its normal time in the summer. But I think in this case, you're going to see every player just go back to whatever team they belong to and do their thing. Guys like Lafreniere, they're going to go back to, he's going to go to Rimouski, those kinds of things. They're going to stay where they're at. Um, I think at their, at the level for that age group, not much is going to change. They're, the expectation is... Um, those leagues are going to start up and they're going to play in front of empty crowds, maybe a handful of people, because if you watch Australian rules football, uh, as I do, you'll notice that they do have people in the stands. There's a lot less people. I think they're maxed out at 2,000 right now. So they'll get about 2,000 people to a game at the Aussie, uh, the Aussie rules games. Uh, for junior hockey, that might only be a couple of hundred people are allowed to go watch, but... I think the season will begin around its normal time. So I expect everyone's going to be playing again. And then the draft will occur uh, around Halloween, as you mentioned. And then that's when things get a little odd because some of those guys are going to go to their... Well, quite a few of them are going to go to the NHL camps. So I'm, I'm assuming maybe the top 10 players will go to their NHL camps and out of them, one or two will probably stick all the way to the end. So they're going to end up missing, uh, you know, maybe a month's worth of hockey, kind of like they would if they went to the World Juniors, which as of right now, I don't expect is going to happen. Which would be be, uh, a really big blow for, uh, for hockey fans because I've said this for years, World Junior Hockey is gonna is this, is some of the best hockey you're ever gonna see, and it compares to some of these uh, playoff series that we've seen over the years. That I'd rather watch the juniors than watch playoff hockey some years. 
the intensity's there. And it's absolutely these guys got something to play for. And I'm not saying that you don't have anything to play for when you play for the Stanley Cup or you play in in a, in a cup series, but you really do see it in the eyes, like. And, you know, there's controversy, there's this, there's the, you know, the TSN camera this year and all this kind of stuff, right? There's drama. And um, it really brings the nation together. And um, we've seen the highs and the lows of the uh, the Canadian team over the past few years. And um, this year was looking like a very promising year for uh, for Team Canada and the uh, the team that they could have put together. So I'm hoping that it's not cancelled, but as you said... It, probably will be and it wouldn't surprise me but i'll cross my fingers for now but imagining that it is i expect the players to be going to their their nhl camps i I don't see many of the draft picks going just for the simple fact that they're going to want to minimize the number of people going to these things and they they're going to want their young players to get as much ice time as they can so guys like lafreniere he's going to end up staying it doesn't matter who he's picked by he's making whatever that team is so he'll play half a season in junior and then jump up, just like uh, Galchenyuk did for the Canadians during the lockout. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one more question when it comes to this uh, tentative target dates. Free agency, uh, November 1st, 2020-2021 uh, free agency. In your opinion, when it comes to free agency, it's looking like the salary cap is going to stay flat what kind of advantage is this going to give Mark Bergevin, and what do you expect when it comes to contracts for some of these players? Do you do you see some maybe more short-term deals, or do you still see um, some of these you know six, seven plus year contracts? Well, it depends on on the player, right? If the player is looking for um, security. He's going to want that long-term contract, but to get that, he's going to have to give up on the money. So if they're just looking for a payday, you're going to see a one or two year deal for a team that has that kind of cap space to sign that guy just for a payday. But if, if it's someone that wants to go to a team that has a shot or might have a shot in the next couple of years of being pretty good, uh, you'll see a guy sign for three, four or five years at a decent cap hit. Um, I don't know how I know that the Canadians have about sixteen million dollars to play with under the cap right now, and there's there's issues like uh, there's not going to be compliance buyouts. So Alsner's deal is still on the table. He's probably still looking at a buyout this year, um, just to open up some space following year and a couple years later. But um, yeah, the Canadians with their sixteen mil this year, I don't think they're going to have the big advantage that a lot of people are hoping because they've got Domi to resign this year. Then next year there's Tatar, Petrie, Gallagher, Cotton Yemi, uh, Paling. There's going to be a list of guys that they have to resign. Some are going to get pay cuts. Some are going to get pay raises. Um, that 16 million is going to be eaten up pretty quick. So absolutely. Um, I don't know how much of an an advantage on the free agency market it would be, but maybe they can convince one guy to to come up. I mean, Canadians have a hard time signing UFAs to begin with at the best Very of true. times. But maybe they can do what they did with Armia and use their cap as their advantage and maybe eat a contract, get some draft picks out of it or get a prospect out of it or something like that. We might see something like that. Yeah, that's, that is the, uh, the case that I think is going to work best for the Canadians. That's the route that they should follow. There's going to be teams that need to resign guys. Um, I've mentioned this before, in, and I'm writing an article right now for the hockey writers, and uh, the St. Louis Blues are working at keeping their captain, Peter Angelo. They want to keep him. Which, which they, and they absolutely should. Yeah. He's one of the best two-way guys in the league. And he's looking at a pay raise, which, honestly, he's earned. So to well do deserved. that, they need to open up some cap space. So uh, they're going to have to dump a contract. People are talking about Steen. But with the amount of time left on his contract and the fact that he is such a uh, a glue guy in that room, I think they'll hold on to him. My I, my thought is target Allen. Get Jake Allen. Yeah, that could very well work out. It, He's about a four four million dollar cap or yeah, something. Yeah, about four point two for yeah, for uh, for next year at the very least. I think it's two years. I'd have to double check my notes, but okay. Allen is 
a player that could that fills a need for the Canadians. The Habs need that backup goalie who can play and win games. He can do that. Um, taking that contract from the Blues opens up the cap space that the Blues need. Hell, the Canadians can even throw Lindgren in, uh, give them you know a little bit of goaltending depth in their system. Lindgren could play on and off for them. Shouldn't have an issue down there. Um, and you can get yourself a decent piece as a as a, a sweetener for helping them out. I don't know what. I hundred percent agree. And uh, he's from New Brunswick too, so yeah. Just yeah. And he there. played junior. <laughs> I believe he played junior for the Montreal Rocket too, didn't he? Or was that I with Lewiston? Believe, I believe I played for uh, the. He did play for the Rocket, but it wasn't the Rocket at the time. It was the juniors at the at yeah the, the Montreal time. Juniors. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. He's a Q, a Q League product. He's from New Brunswick. Yeah. Yep. I mean, hey, at least a couple checks in the box for some people, right? Yeah. He played for the Fog Devils when the Fog Devils were still a team before <laughs> they became the juniors. Yeah. Yeah, before they moved to yeah. Montreal. That's right. Um so yeah, it's it's moves like that that like you like you mentioned that I think are, is where that's where Bergevin has to work. He has to work in those weeds. He has to find those slightly overpriced contracts with short term because uh yeah this is going to be a two three year thing because the can the uh, the nhl is looking at a one billion dollar loss in revenue that's with a b one billion that's huge that's, that's, insane. that's insane and it's the players that are going to be eating a lot of this uh with the flat cap they got the massive escrow uh there's a possibility they can pay back as much as a quarter of their freaking salary to the NHL like the it's a very uncertain time so it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how management in different cities deals with this and i think the canadians are well off to keep what they've got and maybe add one or two things. But on the UFA market, I just, I don't know. I just can't see the Canadians doing that well. More so because Montreal's still not a destination for these guys. Unless, somehow, they drafted Lafreniere the day before. If, if he shows up... That would help. It, it would yeah, help, for sure. You're gonna see it would people. definitely lure some people to, the, to Montreal yeah. to know that they could play with somebody like him. Yeah. Exactly. So I th- I think we've we've beaten that horse a little bit, but there's <laughs> I th- think we have. But there's one little thing I wanted to throw at you. It's uh something I didn't we didn't talk about off air before we started recording. Uh, I, okay. Because you know I, I like fucking with you. Okay. So um, <laughs> the Redskins might change their names after FedEx, who are the minority owners demanded it uh nike uh, dropped all team merchandise off their website and now there's actual it looks like there's actual steam towards changing the washington redskins name uh i don't want to get into a discussion about why Uh, being indigenous i already know the reason why they want to change the name um but i want to ask you what would they change the name to that is a very good question um, I, I, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing them. I, I, I it kind of seems like it's going to get, uh, it's going to get, uh, changed to something or it's going to get changed anyway. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing them. I, I can't, I'm not going to give out a name, but maybe something that still is, is, it has something to do with that heritage and, and, and that, and that type of name without completely dropping it like i can see why people you know, especially in this day of age why they would want to drop that um but you know maybe maybe something that's gonna honor that legacy that washington has been around since what like the 30s or something right like they've been the team's been around forever yeah yeah and that's this is going to open up a whole debate over say the cleveland indians the edmonton eskimos etc cetera, etc cetera. and i know the edmonton eskimos put out a statement today actually about it yeah yeah so don't be surprised if we see it across multiple leagues um as i said i can't really say what they would change it to but i hope it's something that kind of honors honors that team name without actually being like the redskins yeah 
Um, I mean, you can pick all kinds of things like swamp devils because, you know, it's built on a swamp or, uh, I don't know, the uh, constitutional amendments or uh, the, <laughs> the always lose or the perennial loss or the cow. They'll definitely, they'll definitely come up with something. The cowboys are our daddies, you know, st- <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I know, I like. I know that the, uh, you know, I don't want to get too much off topic, but I know that the Eskimos that that was something that came up, and there's been pressure on them, and um, it's worth taking a read. I'm not going to read it out loud, but it's worth taking a, le- a read what their statement was regarding this. And um, as I said, it wouldn't surprise me if we see multiple teams across multiple platforms start changing their name, and all of a sudden it's like. You know, here comes the Edmonton, and then you're like, what sport are we watching? And then it's like, oh, yeah, CFL, all right? And they changed their name, right? Yeah. It's it's just to, the way that things change are Change it to the Rough days. Riders. Yeah, right. <laughs> we, already done, we already did that once. <laughs> um, and, and I know people are going to bring up Chicago, the Blackhawks, but there's a slight yeah. difference there with the fact that the Blackhawks are named after a tribal leader. Uh, they have been yeah. working with indigenous groups in the Illinois area. And they're using it as a platform to educate. So the local tribes and local indigenous leaders have teamed up with the Blackhawks. So I think they've gone a different way and it's it's working. The last few years, it seems to be working. People are are satisfied. Um, But teams like the Eskimos and the Redskins and the Cleveland Indians... Yeah, the Wahoo uh, for Cleveland, the Wahoo mascot. Yeah. I yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, do, do you do you want a Mason Dixon uh, hillbillies, and you got guys in the Hatfield McCoy outfits, and they're pulling each other's beards? I mean, as fun as it is, you know, that's yeah. that that's where we're going nowadays. And I I know some people don't like it. Uh, Change is scary. I don't like some of it, but hey. Get used to it because uh, we're not in charge anymore. Those those little buggers that we've created, children, they've grown up and they're taken over. And they have absolutely. They have and, different... and honestly, it only it only takes one person to get offended by something, and a whole movement starts. Oh God! Don't get me started with the whole offense. I'm offended. Movements. Oh God! Right. So, <laughs> all I can say is, if you're a sports fan, if you're a sports fan of uh, any of these teams, just buckle up. This change is coming. Yeah. So don't buy anything. So maybe maybe hold off on buying merchandise for a little while because your team name might change in a, you know in the coming weeks. If you're a Redskins fan, don't worry, you can't buy it anyway. Nike took it off the shelves. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, but yeah, no, I thought I'd just throw that in there, see if we can come up with some silly names for the Redskins. I don't know, like Washington Crackers, uh, <laughs> the Saltines, uh, the Swamp Things. I don't know. Just have fun with it. Uh, hopefully, yeah. whatever name they pick for the the for the Washington franchise, if they do change the name after, because there's no guarantee that they do. But if they do, hopefully it's something neat, something cool. You can you know get yourself a cool logo. Absolutely. Just don't take Kraken, but Seattle's taking Kraken. That's right. That's What's happening. Freaking Seattle, you better freaking pick Kraken because if you pick something different, <laughs> holy crap, that's it. Better be freaking awesome. It had better be awesome. I've been fighting this fight for three, four years since they, they named <laughs> Seattle's going to be a team. Like, come on now. But, uh, all right. Well, uh, we'll end the show there. We've uh, we've rambled about nonsense long enough. Um, so, from here, we'll say thanks for listening. We're going to jump to a commercial break, and we'll see you on the other side.
that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.